guys. Don't you praise the Lord this morning that his goodness runs after us. He is a good God, um, and it's an, a point of amazement to us that God in his power, in his glory, needing nothing from humankind, would somehow, for some reason, come after you and me. Here's what the Bible has to say in Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Amen. Amen. And it is okay for us to sing out loud the fact, the amazing fact, that the mercy of God somehow saw us in our ugliness and sin, saw me as a 15-year-old boy in my lostness way out in Oklahoma at a crazy youth camp I went to to be with a pretty girl that I liked. He saw me out there and came after me. And I look at myself, I say, there's nothing within me that ought to have earned that. He didn't come because of anything that I had done, but his mercy came for me and made me his son forever. He's done it to each one of you in here who is under the blood of Jesus Christ, and we praise him for it today. What a good God we serve. We're going to look at a song today that Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang about the goodness of God. She also was amazed and astonished at what God had done for her and was doing through her for all humankind, for all history. And we'll look together in Luke chapter 1, the gospel of Luke and your Bible in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We'll be in Luke today, chapter 1 together. Uh, the the um, Christmas story occurs in Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, and also in the gospel of Luke. And so if you've wanted to know, hey, where can I go to, to look into what God's word has to say about the birth of Christ? Uh, where can I go to lead my family in a devotional around the table and to, to draw them in uh, to the truth of this season? It's the gospel of Matthew, the very first part of Matthew and of Luke. Everything you've ever heard and every coloring book sheet you've ever colored about the, the arrival of Jesus, those true accounts will be found in those two gospels. And today we're in the gospel of Luke. Uh, the Bible says here that Mary has been told the news about the coming Savior, that she is going to bear a son. Even at her young age, even at her unmarried state as a virgin, that the Holy Spirit was providing what was needed for her to bring forth a son, that he would be called the Son of the Most High, that they would call his name both Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus, for he would be a Savior of his people from their sins. The name Jesus has a long history, uh, not exactly in that form, uh, but it traces a long history way back into the New Testament of uh, the notion of a deliverer, a rescuer, a hero. And Jesus was coming to do that. This is a song that Mary sings called the Magnificat. We call it that. That's not in the Bible, but we call it that. The Magnificat because it magnifies the Lord. It's a song of exaltation. And so Mary has heard from the angel that she is to bear the Redeemer, the Son of God. And she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. 
in the in the town uh, in a, a town in Judah. She goes to see her. It says she goes with haste to see her. She went to her to her sister's house. Right. She she went up there to her sister's house to see her and to tell her this news. And when she gets there, something interesting happens. We're going to start reading. Uh, back in verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. Uh, the screen won't come on until verse 46. And so bear with me. If you've got your Bible, bring it out and let's read together. In those days, Mary arose. I bet she did, don't you? An angel comes and departs from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste. She went with quickness into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's amazing what happens here. She goes in, uh, bearing within her body the Son of God. Elizabeth, who was barren, not able to have children, had also been visited by an angel and told that she, in her old age, was going to have a baby that this was going to happen, that he would be the forerunner of the Christ. This would be John the Baptist. And so she goes in to see her sister, and immediately when they greet one another, what happens? The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy, right? This is one reason that when we come to the issue of abortion in our day, uh, the, the notion of an unborn baby not being a true life is a falsehood. We see it all through the scriptures, but particularly we see it right here. What happened? That baby in the womb of Elizabeth responded to an outward reality, the fact that the Messiah was there. He leapt for joy. Uh, these, these children in the womb are indeed lives that are precious to God, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby of my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth pronounces a blessing on Mary. And Mary immediately turns with a song of praise to God. This is the Magnificat. Here's what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She can't believe it. Uh, he, she knows what her life is like. She knows she's young and poor and of no account in the world. He has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who has mighty has done great things for me. There's almost, I don't know if sarcasm is the right word, but uh, there's a surprise in that. The one who is great, the one who is powerful, the one who possesses all things has done great things for me, for a little old me. And his name, I, I believe... Let me get back to my reading here. And holy is his name. I can't believe that one who is holy, who is mighty, has done great things for the likes of me. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. 
He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. I was at the doctor recently, and the doctor always says probably the most foreboding, fearful words you can hear at the doctor, step up on the scale, right? <laughs> and he said that to me. Actually, the lady, the, the girl who takes you back, said step up on the scale, and I was like, okay, here we go. And I got up on the scale. My doctor has one of those old scales with the weights on the top, the long bars with the weights. Maybe you've seen that. Or maybe you've seen it on TV. Uh, and, and I would get up there, and she said it where she thinks it probably ought to be, but it ain't right. <laughs> and she moves that big old chunky weight, right? She moves it over. Nothing happens. She moves it over again. Nothing happens. She moves it over one more time thinking, this has got to be it. Nothing happens. That's when they look at you with disgust, you know, just like you're the eighth wonder of the world or something. And so she moved it over one more time and it starts to move. So then she starts doing the little one the same way. It's a humiliating experience. But they're measuring where you stand, I mean, where you are compared to last year. We look at this song of Mary and it gives us a chance. It gives us an opportunity to step up onto the scales and to measure where our worship is where our hearts are at Christmas with relation to where they should be toward the Son of God. I mean, God wants us to be in a pure and a right place. I want that for you, and I want that for me, to be able to come here today and to communion next Sunday, to be able to come to worship the, the Sunday before Christmas, and to not have my mind on everything else in every other location, in every other space, but to be able to worship God with truth. And so there are four tests I want us to look at today. The first one, how is your heart? How is your heart? What is the location of Mary's praise? The action that we see in this song rises up from two spots, the hidden places within Mary's being, her soul and her spirit. In, where does she magnify the Lord? In her soul. Where does she rejoice in God, her Savior, in her spirit? These are not outward. These are not superficial places. These are the deep places within our being, the real us. There are two words here that we can see. The first is the word for soul, which is the word suke, or we, we might pronounce it psyche. Uh, we get our word uh, psychiatry or psychotic from this. It has to do with the inner seat of the self, the real unhidden you, the, the place of spiritual life within you. Nobody can see that except God. Only you and God really can sense the condition of your soul. And it rises up from within her spirit. The word is pneuma. We get the, we get the, the word uh, pneumonia or pneumatic from this. Pneumonia has to do with your lungs, with the, the taking in of air. And the word pneuma literally means breath or wind. It means your inner essence, the life-giving place within you. Mary says, 
In these two places, I magnify the Lord, I rejoice in the Lord. Not with Christmas lights. That's not what tells about the condition of, uh, of the inner me. You know, not with bows and wreaths. That's not what tells the story. Not even with coming to church and going from church. But what tells the story is what is real within her hidden inner places. We had some new um, neighbors move in next to us recently. And uh, very recently, just the last few weeks. And we've been waiting to see if anybody would move there for a long time. And we saw some activity over there. And I have a little window in my kitchen. And I was just peeking out the window to, to see uh, what they look like. I mean, do they have kids? You know, uh, all of this stuff. And I was watching to get a glimpse of them. And uh, a big moving van backed in. And on the side of it, we don't live far from Athens, not too far. But on the side of it, it said, College Hunks Moving Service. College Hunks Moving Service. And I watched them for a while, and I saw what came out of that van. And they did not look very collegiate, for one, by age. <laughs> and they did not look very hunkish either, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know exactly what all that, feel, that is that makes up hunkishness. But I know I did not see it that day, right? And I saw what came out of there. What was on the outside did not match up with what was on the inside. Mary says here, listen, I worship God deep down in the real hidden places of my heart. What you see on the outside is what I am on the inside. If you want to show love to God this season, if you want to know, hey, am I worshiping him right is my heart uh, in truth in this pursuit of Jesus? We show him love when what matters to him is what is the true and realest part of who we are. In your soul, in your spirit, are the true things of God there. Psalm 51 says this, Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. It is those places that matter to God. This season, we're so busy with so many things. We're doing so, many, so much Christmas shopping, so much prepping, so much partying, so much eating. Uh, we're going and decorating. Take a moment this season to let the arrival of Jesus prompt you to examine the truest parts of yourself and to worship God from those places of purity and power. But secondly, not only how is your heart, but who has your attention? Who has your attention this morning? Mary immediately and powerfully responds to what's happening. She, there are two verbs that tell us how she worships in this moment, and there are two ways that we can see this. The first is this. She worships with focus, doesn't she? She magnifies in on the Lord Jesus. She, she, she comes in and, and darkens out every other thing except for God, her Savior. She magnifies him. The word here in the Greek is, the, is megaluno. We have some of those in our church today, megaluno. Um, I'm just kidding, we really don't, um, but maybe. But anyway, uh, megaluno, and what it, it basically means is to make great. You know what mega means, right? You make something mega, it means it makes it big, it makes it powerful, and that's what this word means, to make great. She magnifies the Lord in this moment. The second thing she does is she worships with energy. She rejoices in God. The root word here means to spring up 
or to leap up or to jump up. In fact, let me read you from John chapter 4. Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water. Doing what? Welling up to eternal life. This is the way that she worships God in this moment. Not only is it focused, it's energetic like a bubbling spring that's, that's overflowing. In Acts chapter 3, there's a man who is healed by the apostles through the power of God. The Bible says he is leaping up. He stood and began to walk. He entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. This is what rejoicing means in this, in this episode here. It means something that leaps up or springs up or jumps up. And so she is worshiping God with focus to magnify him, to make him mega, and with energy to rejoice in God with action, uh, with effect. That's the truth here. I love weddings, all kinds of weddings, and every wedding is beautiful in its own way. But I love a traditional, classic church wedding. There's nothing like that. When you're standing up front as the preacher on that day, the groom is here and his people are right here. And in a moment, the back doors of the church swing open. If it's done right, they'll do it at the same time. There'll be a man on each side. They'll swing those doors open and you can physically hear, audibly hear, the air gets sucked out of the room by the opening of those doors. And back in the back, you see the bride. And there she stands and then strikes in the organ. And there are so many songs that a person could walk down to, but the traditional bridal chorus, you know which one I'm talking about. When that organ strikes in on those opening notes and it holds them there for just a moment, I mean, it, it just something physically happens within you. You can feel something happen. You want to rise to your feet. And everybody looks back at the bride to see her come down. And she marches down with that cadence. She comes down in all that regality. Uh, it's amazing. Guys, if you think there's something girly about a wedding, you're wrong. There is power in that moment when that bride, it could be a little girl from Kansas. She could be from Talmo or Rabbit Town, right? Uh, who, who cares? In that moment, she is everything. It is magnificent. It is splendor. She comes down and takes her place in that very moment. Everything is right. And that's what happens here with the Lord Jesus. In fact, in this case, it's not a little girl from Rabbit Town. It's not somebody that we have to make mega. This is the eternal God who has come onto the scene, and Mary says, I am going to magnify him in this moment. My attention is on him. I'm going to zoom in close and let everything else fade out. I'm going to stand on my feet with energy and action and turn my attention to God, my Redeemer, in this moment. Where is your focus this Christmas season? Listen, I've got to confess, mine is just about everywhere. And my focus is everywhere, task to task to task, traveling here and there and picking up and dropping off and making this and getting that done. And you know how it goes for Christmas. We owe an obligation to the Lord to slow down for just a minute. Ask ourselves, where's my focus? Where's my energy in this moment? What is magnified? What is rejoiced over in my life? It's not too late, even with two weeks to go.
it is not too late to turn our eyes to the music of heaven as God strikes the opening notes of the Savior's birth. He's doing something amazing in our midst. Give him your attention and give him your adoration in these days. But thirdly, the third test is this. What is your attitude? What's your attitude? You can hear Mary's amazement. I mean, you can just sense it, that God would show kindness to somebody like her. And she knows that in bringing Jesus into the world this way, it means that God is reaching into the lives of the unlikeliest people. There are two groups that she mentions here. Just look at the rest of the text with me. It's not all on your screen, but she draws a parallel, a contrast here between two groups of people. The first is the unworthy, the unworthy. She counts herself among the unworthy. That's the low, the weak, the hurting, the hungry, and the empty. Here's just a few ways that that's put in this text. Those of humble estate, those who are in need of mercy. He's brought down the proud. He's scattered the, their, the pride of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry while the rich he has sent away empty. There are the unworthy here. Those who could not even imagine themselves to deserve the kindness of God. And then there's the unrecognizing in the other category. These are people who are occupied with their own pursuits, their own efforts, their own kingdoms. They're not looking for a savior because they don't think they need one. I saw a story recently in Atlanta, Georgia, October 23rd, this, uh, this year, just a few weeks ago on October 23rd, a lady came home for vacation and found her house had been demolished, literally demolished. I have a picture of it for you. This is her house. Uh, she got home for vacation on October 23rd. This was the deal, right? Uh, she, no bathroom, no bedroom, no nothing. I mean, just a pile of rubble. She asked her neighbors, what happened? She said, well, somebody came with a bulldozer, and they were out here. And the neighbor said, I went out and talked to them. And I said, hey, what are you doing here? And they said, mind your own business. And then he said, I went back in and looked back out, and they were bulldozing the house. He said, I called one of your family members. And they came over and said, I want to see a permit or something. See what's going on. The guy said, sure, fine. With a, with a full-on attitude, pulled out the permit and looked on it, was about to show it to the lady and saw it was the wrong address on the permit. And here's what he said. Uh-oh, looks out like I went to the wrong address. He folded up the permit, started up his bulldozer, and rode off down the street. Didn't leave a name, didn't leave a company name, no, no nothing. The lady got back in town and she was upset about it. I'm sure she's filed a lawsuit or something by now. But here's what she said, which I thought was pretty transparent. She said, in honesty, my house looked like it needed to be demolished. <laughs> she said, we hadn't taken care of it in a long time. You know, it looked like it needed to be condemned. It was an honest mistake. If, you're, if, if a bulldozer happens to be coming down your street and they come to your house and they just by the look of it, they think this is the house, you're doing something wrong, by the way. But she was, and they demolished her house, and she was full, in full admission that, hey, you know, it looked like it needed to be demolished. Mary looks here, and she says, hey, you know, I look at my life. I look at who I am. 
There is no way that God should show this kindness to me. To bring Savior into my life, and by doing so, it's clear to me that he is exalting all of those who are in the same condition as me of humble estate. Which of these groups, let me ask you, which of these groups do you think your heart most closely resembles this Christmas? Have you taken a moment to survey your life and to think, you know, is this something I take for granted? Is this something I really deserve that God would come here to me? Or is this an amazing act of mercy that God has done on my behalf? Do you resemble the unworthy like Mary did? Or do you resemble the unrecognizing, too occupied with your own business to recognize that the Savior has come to you? That's test number three. But lastly, The last test, where is your hope? Where's your hope? Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Why did he help them? In remembrance of his mercy. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Why has God done this? Because of his own character and because of his own promise. This is who he is, and this is what he has said to Abraham and his offspring forever. There's been a lot of change this year. Maybe you sat in the same chair last year at this time, and a lot has happened between now and then. Maybe your health has changed, and I know that's absolutely true for some of you. Your health has changed. Maybe money has changed. Money's definitely changed, hasn't it? You go grocery shopping recently. Hot dogs used to be so cheap, you didn't even want to eat them, right? You know, what's in these things? For the, now they're five, you know, five, six bucks for a pack of, of hot dogs. There's been a lot of change in our world. Maybe your relationships have changed. Maybe you've lost somebody to death. Maybe there's been friction or heartache in your family, a change that you weren't looking for. A lot has changed. Mary tells us, she tells the Lord that he has helped his servant Israel Why has he done this thing? Because of his own character of mercy and because of his own everlasting promise. Are those things likely to change? No. And so we praise the Lord this season that our hope, our hope is found in God alone. And we see that in the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. God placed him here among us, not because you were so good that he just had to have you. Not because I, I was so desirable in my holiness that he just wanted me for his heaven. But according to his mercy, it was undeserved. And according to his promise. You know what that means to me this Christmas? It means... <clears throat> That God has done this because of an unchangeable factor. And the God who sent the Savior into the world because of his unfailing character will see his children through to that same unbreakable goodness no matter what. God doesn't change. He doesn't fail. He doesn't default on his promises. Why? Because they rest on him alone. Are you shaken this season? I mean, is your life shaken for some reason or another? I want you to know that what God has done for you is never going to change. What song are you singing this Christmas? Mary says here, the mighty one, he who is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Are you singing the song of God's glory? I hope you'll make a way this year for you and your family 
to experience the wonder of what God has done for you. I hope this Christmas it won't be weird to be amazed at the amazing. I hope for your life it'll be weird not to be. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to give you a chance to respond and maybe today you need to come and pray to God or say a word to him for some reason. Maybe you just need healing in your heart today. It's possible that on a day like this, there's somebody here who has smelled the goodness of God. You have sensed the aroma of it. You've tasted the flavor of it, but truly no one's ever fed you a meal. You've never taken in and ingested what God has for you. Today could be the day when you finally say yes, where there's no more games, no more trivialities. You want to come to Jesus. We'll stand with you today and rejoice with you as you do it. Maybe today you need to be baptized, come for church membership. Maybe you just need to come for a prayer of healing. You can ask me to pray with you. You can pray by yourself. Whatever your need is today. We're here for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for trusting it to us. I pray this season that we will see things like Mary did. I pray you'll cause your people to slow down for just a moment, to focus on the Lord Jesus, to be amazed again at what you've done, to come with the truest hearts to worship you. Father, we can't do that all on our own. We pray that you, God, by the Holy Spirit, would speak to us and move within us. Father, we pray that we be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I welcome you to respond.